0: Welcome everybody to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and that right there, that handsome devil right there who's feeling good and mindful is Howard Tybel.
1: You know what? I, you took the words right out of my mouth, Pete, and matter of fact, you were the one that told me that you're feeling mindful, so I think you're just projecting at this point. I, I, it is quite possible.
0: I'm feeling very zen today, uh, and wow. I'm good about that. i think it's very positive. We've got some exciting,
1: exciting just things to talk about.
0: Well, we do. I want to talk to you—well, uh, first I want to tell you a story. Have you ever heard of Loki's wager?
1: Yes, but I don't recall what it is.
0: Loki, you know, is the, the Norse trickster, the god of trickery. And I'm sure there are people who are listening to this podcast who Loki's know a lot yes. more about Norse, uh, Norse uh, mythology than I do. But, but as, as far as the story goes, as far as I know, Loki uh, had made a wager with the dwarves. Right, And and, and the wager uh, didn't go very well. The wager was, you know, if I lose, I'm Loki. If I lose, you can have my head. And the dwarves, as it turns out, won. Uh, But Loki, being a trickster, came back to them. And he said, okay, you have the right to my head, but you do not have the right to my neck. So as soon as you can figure out a way to separate my head without separating any part of my neck, you can have it. They, in fact could not come to an agreement on where the neck ends and the head begins. As it goes, the two sides argue there are some parts that both could agree with the head, there are some parts that both could agree with the neck, but there is no spot at which they could both agree the head stopped and the neck began. So Loki's wager is this is now this sort of uh, idiom for an argument that can never be decided because one or both parties can can never agree on on how to define the terms. Now I I came uh, across this on a science fiction website uh, that I uh, you know Io nine, but it, it hit me immediately as we're talking about this theme of uh, uh, this administrative board president agreement that that coming get being able to negotiate through Loki's wager. Because I know there are topics like this that hit the president's office and the boardroom. How do you help sides navigate these, the waters of Loki's wager?
1: Before we even get to how do we help, I think we need to, agree, we need to come to terms with that there really are topics. See, so I think we don't appreciate to what extent... We are coming into conversations with a different point of view and a different mindset. We sort of accept it 's so normal that we go into conversations with in groups thinking that uh, we 're going to disagree uh, or that or that our, the bar is so low in terms of being able to have an effective decision making discussion uh, because we are coming from and then we act like we 're surprised that one side is not on the same page now at the same time. A powerful way of getting to a great conclusion is by getting people who think differently to come together to, to solve a problem. Because the solution of a problem often requires having different perspectives. So if we talk about what is it, you know, let's just use uh, academic programs for an example. And we come from the point of view of what does it mean to move forward. Uh, and invest in the academic programs we believe we want to uh, reinforce and make stronger, and then invest in new programs, well, you can't just keep adding and adding and adding. So then by definition, we all know we have to look at those things that maybe we shouldn't continue with and not just let limp along. So that is a really difficult conversation to have because one mindset is, Uh, we're going to continue with this program, even though it's losing money year after year, is because it is consistent with the mission of the institution. That's a valid point of view. Another point of view from a trustee, for example, might be this is something that... uh, we have actually given money to restricted endowment for years or, and and that particular initiative or focus service or program is something that we're committed to seeing continue. So institutions, uh, out of respect for alumni, uh, the benefit of receiving those kinds of funds, uh, continue to invest in those things. Well, we, you know, uh, we've
0: run into this too, where you end up with, an, with a, you know, I have a very specific example of a, of a faculty member who was given sort of directorship of a program uh, because he received an outside grant. Uh, to start this program, but it was it was restricted to this program for a certain amount of time, and now that time is up, and so the institution has to come to terms with we have some students in this program, but it's not viable uh, in the long run, no. and we don't want to pay no. for it. How do you have that conversation? So, uh, just as an example, go well, go ahead. I interrupted you. Oh, wow. So.
1: wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, and then you got presidents who, for the most part, an ideal outcome from a president is that the people around them figure it out and work it out. You know, in some ways, (laughs) seriously, I mean, a president uh, really has, uh, may have a very clear idea of a a vision where they want to go, but ultimately their vision is to continue to be consistent with the mission of the institution, uh, keep it viable, inspire people to give, and ultimately when these tough decisions come down where you have... Uh, financial people saying we can't keep doing this because there's no money for this and uh, academic people saying but this is consistent with the mission we have to do it the presidents have to decide and it's again it's a whole spectrum of how they deal with this whether or not they want what, what battles they want to fight here so it starts not with the answer but the willingness to listen to each other you know so often we, we don't do this very well in institutions, but we can do this better one-on-one. You know, sometimes, I mean, think about your spouse telling you a story and how quickly we would, te- you know, and I'd fall into this, uh, want to fix it, want to solve it. Yes. And the truth is, is that even if in the end they say, listen, I'm not looking for you to fix it, I'm just looking, looking for you to listen, even if there is a need to fix it long-term, the thing that we need to get better at is being able to being able and willing to listen to the other person's point of view, and and that that willingness to slow down and to actually be willing to to do the unthinkable, which is I'm going to put aside my point of view, and when this person is done talking, describing to me why they think this is so important or unimportant. I'm going to paraphrase back for them what they said so that they know that I know I heard them. Hmm. Think about how much mindfulness is required to be willing to do that.
0: Because the job then is not, or the the I, I should say the the uh, requirement is not for someone to sit, for the president to sit down and say this is the line that separates the head from the neck. It's to to sit down and say you need to be you know more aware and more comfortable of the various uh, you know of the various positions that are going on in this argument and hear them all out.
1: Yes, and. And if the President is involved in a decision like this, or I mean there needs to be a person of authority who can say, "Let's have the robust conversation," and then we are either going to collectively agree this is what we're going to do, or like a judge, they're going to say, "I've heard everything, and this is what we're going to do, or this is what I think we're going to do mm-hmm. and that, that is, in some ways, a simplistic way of thinking about decision-making, but often the inverse happens, which is everybody goes in with the agenda to convince the other that they're right and the others are wrong. When you're speaking, I'm waiting for you to finish so I can make my point. I'm spending most of my time reacting to what you're saying internally and not really getting your point of view. And that kind of mindfulness uh, is brought by some who do it naturally, but it can be learned because it's a behavior that needs to be practiced. It's that simple. Right. Now, it's not simple to do, but it's simple if you're committed to say, we are going to learn how to work together by practicing listening reflecting that how that we heard what you said and then recognize a decision is is going to come out of this but the decision is separate from the dialogue oh uh, yeah and that's not what usually we mix the dialogue with the decision i mean it it's so bad that Uh, And this is not just higher ed. This is any large institution. It's so bad that uh, leadership are concerned about making an announcement. We're looking at something because we're looking at something is heard as we've decided to do this. We don't have the courage yet to tell you we're going to do it. So we're going to test the waters. And then we're going to tell you we already decided, but let's pretend that's the that's the that's the listening out there. It's this it's this lack of trust that what leadership is doing is being candid when, in fact, most of the time when leadership is saying we're looking at compensation, for example, you know, we're looking at uh, our retirement plan. We're looking at outsource. We're, we're going to look at outsourcing. We're going to look at what functions sure, could shared and should be outsourced. Shared services. Now, it's a, it's a catch twenty two because if you don't flag it early, people feel like you've sprung it on them. But if you flag it too early and don't set the right expectations, then what you've done is you get people's feelers up, and they think you're just hiding from them. Mm-hmm. The truth of what you already know you're going to do.
0: And, and we end up living in a space of just constant sort of stress and anxiety. And that, that stress and anxiety is usually represented by uh, a feeling that we are missing something that once was— Uh, that about our our, you know our lives our work our our institution or we're anxious about something yet to be uh, that we don't know what the future is going to look like so we're either longing for something we'll never get back to or we're panicked about what's going to happen that we don't know and I think one of the stories that you've you know reflected in your work and I think I may have refined it to the point of not meaning the same thing that you intended but I'm going to share it here which is this idea of looking at at someone who has a specific issue and and boiling it down to what is truth and what is fact? What do you really know about the situation that you're experiencing right now, and what are you simply reacting to emotionally uh, that does not necessarily represent the facts that we do know? Now, it's yeah. much easier to have that conversation with an individual who can look back and say, well, all I know is that we don't really know what our retirement plan is going to be like because there are decisions that haven't been made that aren't in our control. What, we, right. what I'm reacting to is, oh my God, my retirement's going to fail and I'm going to be destitute when i'm 65 and
1: all of these things these false future histories that that don't really exist that's a great point i mean that's that's the fear that people bring unconsciously to a conversation and and i see this over and over again when i get people talking about this is that they actually recognize they have a choice in this they have they have a choice what to focus on Are we going to focus on our conscious or unconscious fears or are we going to remind ourselves to ask the question over and over again, do I have control over this? Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you more than half the things we focus on because I go through this in workshops over and over again, and I say to somebody, can I ask you a question about what you just said? Do you have control over what you just characterized as a concern? No. So if that's the case, what's the value of you focusing on it? And the truth is, we don't really think about that. We sort of think it, it's it's like we our buttons get pushed. We never think about that. Absolutely. No, but until we get reminded. Yeah. Well and that, that gets back to
0: Loki's wager and why I think this is such an important conversation because I think this this happens you know we think about boards and presidents and and uh, you know these decisions at the highest levels of the institution we 're all just people sitting at these tables yeah. and and we all come with this set of baggage to these conversations and I think it takes a very special skill to step back and and let yourself be reminded that you don 't have to join these conversations with a case uh, with an expectation that everybody 's going to disagree
1: but but really to stop and and be present but here 's the problem here 's the problem that happens over and over again and and I'd like to think that every person has the ability—not every person does have the ability—but everybody has uh, can actually turn the needle if they turn their attention to this more mindful way of thinking. But here's the problem: in a group, the what we do is we defer to how our leaders, how the team leader, our manager, the director, the president, whoever is sort of framing the conversation for us has tremendous influence about whether we're going to take a mindful approach or whether we're going to be combative. And there's no way around this because Mm -hmm. if my boss is telling me, you need to get this done... Uh, Whatever it takes There are no rules Mm -hmm. But if my boss says You need to get this done And figure out how to be in relationship With the people you're working with And actually build trust that's a whole other conversation and very often if you ask a leader they'll say yeah i assume that they're building trust but i got to tell you you got to tell people that
0: you have to ask the question
1: and we don't we don't ask that question all right so
0: summarize this for me i'm i'm sitting i'm about to go into a complex uh, negotiation amongst uh, administrators and academics how do you as an outsider come in and condition uh, these uh, these bodies uh, to to present their best selves and, and and set the right stage for this difficult conversation
1: the the standard way of doing it and the way that people under the people that people understand is you start off by establishing ground rules and ground rules doesn't mean Uh, These are admonishments, like don't be a certain way. This is about raising the bar about how are we going to, how are we going to operate in this conversation? So, for example, one of the first ground rules that I would put up in front of people is to listen deeply. That means be willing to put aside what you're about to say, because I'll say to the group, what are you doing when somebody else is speaking? and and 9 times out of 10 people are saying waiting for them to stop so i can make my point waiting oh, sure. for the, for the now think about that for a second it doesn't even matter what you're saying then i don't yeah. even care what you're saying right right you you are in my way
0: yeah we're not even playing tennis anymore we're just hitting right. the ball
1: against a wall hitting the ball against a wall taking risks is another big one because what actually happens the inverse of People being difficult and being bullies, the, the inverse of this, because there's, there's, there's very few bullies and there's very few really difficult people. What there's more often is people not willing to speak up, Sure. people sitting on their hands because they don't want to take the risk that they're going to be sort of in the spotlight and say something that could make them look bad. And and then there's and then there's the whole and then there's the couple who are have it all down and they got the respect of the group and they and they're extroverts and they're comfortable. There's others that have great sense of humors and they bring that to the party. So so much of this sort of lives in that realm that is coined emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. When you start a conversation, I don't care if it's with the you know, so when I'm leading when I'm leading an event with uh, trustees and and uh, faculty and with uh, administrators I will start by introducing the idea of ground rules in a couple, and then I will stop and I will say, these are just some of my ideas. What are some ground rules that you guys think will make a difference here mm-hmm. so, that, so that this is a productive, robust, healthy conversation? Because the truth is what I have to say is really unimportant. Mm-hmm. It's what they have to say that's important. I,
0: I feel like you, you have to add one that you said but, but earlier but didn't add to the list, which is this idea of uh, whatever you do, always act in a way that builds and nourishes trust and does not it. Even if you are saying something difficult, yeah. if you are sharing right. a difficult truth, yeah. sharing a difficult truth that other people are not going to like is better than hiding it and risking the trust relationship. Yeah. And I think that's and, something that
1: explicitly we do not say enough in, in, yeah. in
0: creating new habits around
1: how we approach difficult well, things. That's because many of us get defensive very easily. Mm-hmm. And if we get defensive easily, we're not going to feel comfortable calling other people out. Because we know what it feels like to be on the defensive. And some of this is your own self-esteem, being willing to say, you know what? I am, I am listening to your complaint. It's not a complaint about me, but a complaint about the idea. Right. Right. That's the difference. Uh, conflict. Healthy conflict is about having conflicts around ideas versus conflicts around personality.
0: Right. right, right. This is good, Howard. You taught me something here. What did you learn? Well, I, I really love your ground rules, and I love the idea of, of doing this in a way that, that
1: cultivates trust. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about trust is I think we don't understand trust. I think we think, like you said before, in some ways, trust means that we're all getting along or that it's all no trust is actually the willingness to say difficult things and to not personalize that. And that is so hard. That's, that's why, that's why we, we have a hard time, uh, making group decisions is because we don't know how to, sort of step back, and, and, and we go into conversations without establishing these ground rules. Mm-hmm. So if, anything, if there's anything you can do if you're leading your next event is start off by saying, what are some ground rules that we think will make this an exceptional experience? And then be quiet. Count to 10, and then when nobody answers, because they won't, call on somebody, because they will have something to say.
0: And uh, I'd like to announce we are going to be releasing the Tybalink set of motivational posters, including <laughs> kitten hanging from a branch. That says, "What is that one? That's it, a
1: scary one." What do you, mean kitten hanging from a branch? It says,
0: uh, "It's it's something about trust. I I trust you to catch me. Something you know. Oh, okay. We we've got these motivational things that I love those. Don't, negative don't you motivational remember? Posters. Don't you remember? Hang in there. You know that was the one that nothing. Yes." Uh,
1: the Tible Motivational Post. The posts. Motivational
0: posts. These are like, you, you know, from the scholastic thing. If you have young kids, you know these. These are still floating around.
1: Yeah. Hang in, so, Howard. So, what do we call this podcast now that we, because that's what we do? We're gonna get a little inside baseball here. What is, uh, what is this podcast about? It's Loki's Wager, building trust through difficult conversations. See? Okay, good. Thank you for, for ending by saying that. So now people know what we talked about. We've got a full circle.
0: Thanks for being challenged on this one, Howard.
1: I am always challenged when I'm with you. you in a positive way, hit it. So you don't get defensive. <laughs> and there you go. You do not it. get defensive. You hit on it me. out of the
0: park, and you slammed me just a little bit. <laughs> Thanks everybody for listening. If you want to learn more about the show, head over to Tybelink.com. You can subscribe to the podcast for free in iTunes or your podcatcher of choice, uh, and uh, find us on Twitter at Howard Tybel or at Pete Wright. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, until next week, on behalf of Howard Tybel, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you on Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybelink.